Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Going through the book of Galatians and and uh, you've heard me mention before, we do topical series and felt like this last year, the Lord was leading us to do a couple of series a year where we just go through a book of the Bible. So we've been doing that leading up to Easter. And uh, we've already been through the first four chapters. And uh, last weekend, if you were here, man, Lucas, that just an incredible, incredible, incredible message. I love the way that, uh, I was saying this in the first service too, but you're here for this one. Um, I, I love the way that you challenge me. And uh, how you are in the word and just your, your take and your perspective. And uh, the way that he's able to share that with us as a body is just incredible. So, um, man, just, it was, it was phenomenal. We've been, yeah. We've, uh, and go back on the podcast, listen to all the other messages as we've been going through this. Because it builds off, it's one letter that Paul wrote. And so go back and check those out if you've missed any of those. But today we're jumping into chapter 5. And uh, you'll notice, the first thing you'll notice on, in chapter 5 is two contrasts, really, that are being made by Paul. The first 15 verses and then the last 11 verses that we're going to look at. Uh, the first 15 verses, you could kind of put it in terms where it's freedom instead of bondage. So the contrast between living in freedom versus living in bondage, what that looks like. And then uh, chapter 16 through, t- or verses 16 through 26 uh, could kind of be summed up as spirit instead of flesh. And so this is where you get, you know, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit is in Galatians 5. We're going to talk about those in just a moment. Uh, but as we jump in, we're going to jump into the first six verses and read through this. And, and uh, we'll make our way through it today and see what God wants to do. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure, somebody say make sure. Make sure that you stay free. Which leads me to believe that Christ has set us free, but now we have to choose to stay free. We have to choose to live in the freedom that he's already provided for us, right? He says, and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. I want to talk about these verses for just a moment. If Verse 1, I love verse 1. In this translation we just read, it says, So Christ has truly set us free, so make sure that you stay free. Some translations, you may have one that, that words it, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In other words, you have been set free for something. You have been set free to live free. To not fall back into bondage. And what's interesting to me is that Jesus died to set us free, but not free to just do whatever we want to do. So we see freedom a lot of times in our lives as, well, I've been set free. And Paul would tell us in another place in a letter that he wrote that, hey, should we abuse the grace of God? Basically, should we just go on living however we want to live because God's grace is going to cover it? We should not do that. That shouldn't be how we live. And in here he's saying, you've been set free, but really it's not to just do whatever you want to do. 
And what's interesting to me about this is that the doing whatever we want to do is what actually leads us back into the bondage that he's saying we have the freedom from. So we think we have freedom, so we can just step in and just do, well, God's grace is going to cover it, and I can just live however I want to live and do whatever I want to do. And he says, no, actually living that way, right, your sins may be covered past, present, and future, but living that way is what's going to lead you right back into the bondage that I have set you free from. Because now you're going to find yourself down the road a slave to sin again. Because you've made the decision not to continue to live free, even though you've been set free. And so we have to see freedom in a different light. Jesus died to set us free, and it's freedom to follow him. It's freedom to live our lives unselfishly. It's free, not freedom to just do whatever we want to do. But it's freedom to live our lives in a way that loves and blesses others. And he's continuing to make this point that trying to do all of the right things is not what makes you right with God. And then in verse 6, he tells us that the important thing is that your faith is expressing itself in love. It's not as much about, he says, if, if, if you're trying to do this thing, then you've got to go back and do everything in the law. And we've said this a few times because this is the point that Paul keeps trying to make. That you can't just pick and choose and decide, well, I want to, you know, well, this one applies and this one doesn't apply and that one doesn't apply. And, well, we don't want to do that anymore, but we need to do this. Anymore. And he says, no, if you're going to try to be right with God and stay right with God that way, you've got to do it all. But he says, Christ has already come. He's already set you free. And he says, this is what you need to do. What is important is that your faith is expressing itself in Love. Living our lives as Christians is about our faith in Jesus expressing itself through our lives by the way that we love each other and love those around us. Jesus would even tell his disciples, this is how they will know that you are my followers. Not by how much Bible you know. Not by how well you can articulate things. Not by how many friends that you have. Not by how many followers you have. He said, this is how people, the world is going to know that you are my disciple, that you are my follower. It's going to be by the way that they look at you and they see how you love each other. When they look at you, do they see how you love each other? Loving each other is how the world is going to look in and see that these are followers of Jesus. And Paul says, listen, what's important is that the faith that you've placed in Jesus, that it comes out of you in the form of love. That you're loving each other, you are loving people around you. And then we, he continues on, and we'll go verses 7 through 12 here. It says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. And I want to pause here for just a moment and say to you that sometimes, you ever read something in your Bible and you were offended? You ever heard somebody speak on something that was in the word of God and you were offended by it? Listen, the gospel message of the Bible sometimes is offensive. But do you know why it's offensive? Because we have a tendency to try to read the Bible to back up what we want it to say. Instead of reading the Bible and allowing it to change us, we go searching for things that will make our point. 
And God's word is meant to change us. Not, we're not meant to, to try to form the Bible around our lives. Rather, we are meant to look at God's word and allow our lives to be formed around God's word. That this is the center of everything that I believe. And what it says in here is the truth. And what it says in here is right. And what it says in here is what I need to base my life on. And so sometimes there are things in the Bible, come on, you're going to read your Bible and you're going to think, ouch, mm, that might have been me. You know, I'm, I might be actually living that way. I might actually need to change something. I might need to start shaping my life more around what God's word says. And then verse 12, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate yourselves. Okay, Paul. <laughs> like, I get this picture that Paul's not messing around. He's like, I wish that the, the people or the person that's trying to confuse you and wants you to have to do all these things, I wish they would just mutilate themselves. I mean, Paul is, Paul's not pulling any punches to make his point that what they're trying to confuse you with is not right. It is not the true gospel. It is not what Jesus died to give you. And Paul tells these believers, he says at the beginning of this section, he says, they're doing so well, but it's been some wrong teaching that is now holding them back. He said in verse 7, you're, you're doing, you've been doing so well, and what is it now that's holding you back? He says, it's not God that's holding you back. It's not God who stepped in and is now holding you back. No, it's that you are being confused by people who are preaching something that is not right. You're being told some things that are not right, and you're believing a lie. And then he goes on in verse 9 where he says, this false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. You know what I get out of that right there, what I think he's communicating? Is this is just a little group of people or maybe just one person that is starting to spread some things that are not true. And if we're not careful, that'll start to spread through everybody. And then three people are like, yeah, maybe we do have to do that. And, and then six people are, well, yeah, maybe that is right. And, and a little bit of yeast will cause the whole batch of dough to rise. And Paul says the false teaching is like a little yeast and it's spreading through the whole batch of dough. It only takes one wrong thing or one wrong person to infect all the others. One person can do something or have a negative attitude. Come on, you ever, you ever showed up to work and you went in and you were driving to work and you got to work and you're like, this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And you got to work and one person, one person had a terrible attitude. And you give it about two hours and now we all hate each other because this one person came into work today with a terrible attitude and that one little bitty batch of yeast started to spread all through the workplace and now everybody has a negative attitude because one person came to work today with a negative attitude. We experience this, come on, we experience this not just at work, but we experience this with our families. We experience this, come on, some of you may have a story when you were growing up in church and you experienced this in church where it was like one little, one little batch of yeast, one little thing of yeast started to spread and started to spread a little bit more. And then this family member jumped on board with that or this church person jumped on board with that. Or this person at work came in and they had the bad attitude. Now everybody's got a bad attitude. I mean, if you were to look at your life, you can think of scenarios where you were affected by one or just even a few people. And he says, listen, 
This false teaching is like that. It is like this little bit of yeast that will infect everybody. And so he's making the point, we've got to get this right. We've got to get it right. In Matthew 16, Jesus warned his disciples you know, to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You ever read this story before? The disciples are there and they're like, oh, I knew we forgot something. We forgot the bread. And Jesus is like, you are missing the point. I'm not talking about what we're going to eat. I'm talking about what they're teaching you. I'm talking about how they're trying to lead you down this path or down that path or how they don't believe in the resurrection or how they don't believe in this or how they think that you have to follow all these things and I'm trying to show you what the kingdom of God is like. And so you've got to beware of that. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul warns us that bad company corrupts good character. Come on, some of us, all of, our, all of us parents in the rooms, come on, how many of you have used that verse with your kids before, right? Like bad company, they come home from school and you're like, bad company corrupts good character, right? You know, like, we got to get this right. Just a little bit will go a long way. And then he continues on, verses 13 through 15, he says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my dear brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. And in these verses, Paul, he makes a distinction between how we sometimes view freedom versus how God wants us to view freedom. And we talked about this a little bit in the first section of this passage or of this chapter, that our freedom is not for us to just go and do and just indulge in sinful activity because we're, we're covered. We're covered. You know, it's like we, we treat it as if we've got to get out of hell free card. And we can just go do whatever we want to do. And the grace of God will cover it. And while the grace of God is greater and bigger than anything that you could ever do in your life, and it will cover past, present, and it will cover future, that it's all under the blood of Jesus, it's not the way that we should live our lives. And he says, don't use your freedom just to satisfy your sinful nature and do what you want to do. Instead, use your freedom to what? Serve one another in love. Don't look at it as, well, well, Jesus has set me free, and so I can just do whatever. No, Jesus has set me free, and so here's what I'm going to do with that. I have the freedom to begin to serve. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the world would look like if a thousand, hundreds of thousands, millions of Christians all over the world made the decision, you know what, I'm going to serve you, and you're going to serve me, and we're just going around and we're just serving each other in love because that's what Christ has given us the freedom to do and we're using our freedom to serve one another and you're serving me and I'm serving you and what would the what would the world look like if we weren't selfish if we weren't using and abusing our freedom but we were using it actually for the thing that God intended for us to use it for and other passages of scripture where where Peter would even tell us, like, use what God has given you to serve each other. Use what God has put on the inside of you to serve each other. This is why we have teams here as a church. This is why we have a worship team, and we have greeters and cafe people and iKids workers and all of these teams where you can be involved, and we do outreach, and we have an event team that sets up for things, and all of this going on. It's because we want you to have the opportunity to step into some area where you can serve your brothers and sisters. 
Come on, you think about it. I was talking about it last week, and I'll mention it again, and then we'll move on. But our iKids team, right? I mean, I was talking about it last week that on the weekend, we have somewhere around 80 kids that are coming through these classrooms between two services, and we need more volunteers. We need people that are willing to step up to the plate and say, I'm going to jump on that team, and I'm going to invest in the next generation. I'm going to be a part of making a difference and planting a seed and creating a good foundation for those kids every single week when they show up to this church. And when you think about it in this way, listen, whenever you do that and you step onto that team and you go into one of those classrooms and you're teaching or you're helping or you're volunteering and you walk into there, come on, you are serving your brother or sister who's able to be in here during that service to worship with other believers and hear the word of God and then you serve one and attend one once a month or whatever that looks like for you and then you're able to do the same thing and somebody's serving and watching your kids while you're able to be in here and we're serving one another. We're serving one another. This is what we're called to do. We don't have teams as a church just because we want to have teams. It's opportunities for you to step into something so that what God is doing in you can flow out of you. And you're serving me, and I'm serving you, and we're serving together over here, and we're making a difference in these kids' lives, and we're, you know, we're the smile at the door that when that person comes in that they, you know, they... They've had a terrible morning. That that smile that they see at the front door is the smile that changes their whole perspective on what God wants to do in their life today when they come to church. I mean, there's so much. We have no idea what hangs in the balance of our willingness to step in and say, you know what? I'm called to serve my brothers and sisters. And I'm going to be a part of that. I believe that taking the position of serving others is really an antidote to what Paul mentions in verse 15 because he says, You know, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you're always biting and devouring one another, you need to be careful because you're going to destroy one another. You need to watch out and beware of destroying one another. And I think that taking the position of serving, you know, like Jesus, I picture Jesus and he puts the towel on and he gets down and he begins to wash the disciples' feet and he says, I'm setting an example for you. And when we begin to take the position of we put the towel on and we take a knee and we begin to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ, we begin to step onto a team and serve. When was the last time you served somebody? When was the last time you saw a need and you met that need? When was the last time you saw somebody in need and you thought, what can I do? What can I do? God, what what would you have me do in this situation so that I can serve that person? So that I can make a difference in their life? I think that that's the antidote to the biting and the devouring and the destroying one another that Paul's talking about. He says, you need to watch out. Always biting and devouring one another. You need to beware because you're going to destroy each other. I've mentioned this before, but it came back to my memory, and I was reading some more on it. The, the Dead Sea, many of us are all familiar with the Dead Sea, and, and, uh, and you can look this up online and read all kinds of things about the Dead Sea that are fascinating to me. But whenever you, whenever you study the Dead Sea, you see that there's all this salt that builds up. And there's all, I mean, like, nothing can live in the Dead Sea. One thing that I was reading said that even the fish, even the, 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 the fish that when, when the rains come and when they're forced into the Dead Sea, like they're not choosing to go in there, but when they are actually forced out into the Dead Sea, it's only a matter of just a few hours, I believe it was, before they die. Because nothing can live there. And here's what I find interesting about that. There, are, there, are, there is something that flows into, there's a river that flows into the Dead Sea, but nothing flows out. The water leaves by evaporation. 
There's no outlet. Water flows into the Dead Sea and becomes stagnant. Because of the conditions, it builds up all this salt, which causes nothing to be able to survive or live in it. And no water ever, fall, ever flows out. If anything's going to leave the Dead Sea, it's going to be by evaporation. I thought, man, that looks like some of our lives, doesn't it? That sometimes, listen, and this is not to condemn you. This is just to get you to think. This is to get me to think that sometimes the only thing leaving my life is by evaporation. Like, it's not me being intentional to pour out into other people. It's me feeling like, well, I'm just drained. Like, everything is just sucked out of me and everything's leaving by evaporation. Listen, you are blessed to be a blessing. God has always intended for you to to be a blessing to other people and to consume from him and then contribute to take in what god's doing in your life and then pour it out in other people's lives and serve one another and paul says he says this is what you need to use your freedom to do use your freedom to serve one another in love i love this statement that when all of us do a little together we can do a lot when all of us do a little, together we can do a lot. And then he continues in verse 16, and this is kind of where we shift gears, where we've been talking about really this contrast between freedom and bondage, and now we're getting into spirit and flesh type of talk. And so he says in verse 16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature wants. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. And somebody said, amen. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And according to these verses, Paul informs us that we are either being led by our sinful nature or we're being led by the Spirit. We're either living according to our sinful nature or we're living according to the Spirit. And here in a moment, he's going to give us a couple of lists of what this looks like when we're living according to our sinful nature versus when we're living according to the spirit and he tells us he says the sinful nature wants to do evil the spirit gives you the desire to do what is right and these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to just do whatever you want you're not free to just carry out your own good intentions because these forces are at war and we get to choose which one wins When I get up tomorrow, am I going to live according to my sinful nature or am I going to live according to the spirit who's living inside of me? And then Paul jumps into these two separate lists and we'll read these verses and then we'll we'll talk about these lists for just a moment. Verse 9, that list and think, that's what I want my life to look like. (laughs) I just hope that I'm living this way and I'm hurting everybody around me and I'm hurting myself and... I'm living for myself and everybody else doesn't like me because I'm selfish and I have outbursts of anger. Like, none of us in here would say, I want my life to resemble that. That's what I want people to look at me and for, me to see, or for them to see. He goes on, he says, let me tell you again, have I, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Come on, how many of you are glad he didn't stop there? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so Paul gives us two lists, and we're going to put these lists on the screen behind me. And I want to go through each one because I, 
I pulled up the, uh, I looked up the original Greek word for every word that we have listed on both of these things to kind of figure out what is a deeper meaning, what is he talking about in each one of these things. And so here's what, here's what I discovered. This is from the sinful nature, which I think, yeah, so we have sinful, from the sinful nature and from the Holy Spirit. Here's the sinful nature, sexual immorality. Uh, the Greek word that is used here is pornea, which is where we get the word pornography. The first thing on the list, when he says, hey, this is, what comes, this is what comes from your sinful desire. This is what comes from your sinful nature. Sexual immorality. It's selling off of sexual purity and promiscuity of any type. He goes on, he says, impurity, which is uncleanness, lustful pleasure, sensuality, violent spite, which rejects restraint, or outrageous conduct shocking to public decency. The next one he lists is idolatry, which is serving an idol, to which we would think and we picture in our minds the Old Testament where they would make an idol and they would worship that idol. But how many of you know that we have our own idols that we worship in 2022? Come on, some of us are worshiping the idol of things. Some of us are worshiping the idol of television. Some of us are worshiping the idol of relationship. Some of us are worshiping the idol of uh, our vehicle. Some of us are worshiping the idol of our career. An idol is anything that you put in place where God is supposed to be. God is supposed to be first in your life, and you serve only him. And so some of us have placed other things, and this is how I picture this in my mind. All right, I'm not telling you this is, like, this is completely accurate, but this will kind of give you a visual. I picture it in my mind as I have my Bible, and so like when I wake up first thing in the morning, I have my Bible, and I have Instagram. Where do I go? And I'm not telling you Instagram's bad. I'm not telling you Facebook's bad. I'm not telling you anything like that. I'm talking about good things, okay? Can be good. I won't call them good, but I'm talking about things that can be good. And, you, and it's like, okay, I have some free time. Do I want to open up the Word of God because I haven't had this time today, and so I want to get in God's Word for even if it's just a few minutes, or do I care more about what's going on in everybody else's life? Do, do, I, do I take a moment, and when I get up in the morning before my feet hit the ground, I've got to say, you know, like, all right, Lord, this, today is the day that you have made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Help me today. Do I need to say, because I know how important it is that I have this moment with the Lord before I get up out of bed, before the crazy kicks in, come on, somebody, before the kids get up, before, you know, all this stuff happens, and I've got to get them to school, and then I've got to get to work, and all of this stuff. Do I, do I, do I invest my time in that, or is it more important for me to take that few minutes and see what's going on over here. And I'm not telling you that that is biblically accurate, but that's the world that we're living in. That we're, we're, when we have a moment, when we get up in a moment, get up in the morning and it's like, man, I know that I need this, but I am just so drawn to this over here and it has sucked me in. And so this has really become my idol. And this is more important to me than having a few moments with my Heavenly Father. And that's where we have to be careful. It's not that all of these things are bad. It's that this, these things can never take the place of God in my life. And when it does, I need to start rearranging some things. I need to go to the Lord in prayer and say, how do I get back in alignment with your priorities? All right, the next one he says, sorcery, which is the Greek word pharmakia, 
the use of medicine, drugs, or spells, and it's where we get our word pharmacy. Hostility, which could also be translated as enmity, the state or, or feeling of being opposed or hostile to someone or something, or it could be translated as hatred. Quarreling, which is a readiness to quarrel, having a contentious spirit. In other words, what does that mean? You are looking for someone to argue with, looking for somebody to fight with. Like there is something on the inside of you that it has not been a good day if you have not argued with somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, it's a contentious spirit. It's not that I got in an argument with my wife before I left for work and so I'm like living according to my sinful nature because we had a quarrel. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about like inside of me, there's something on the inside of me that just, like I, I'm looking, like I had this attitude, I am looking for somebody to do, just, just do something. Just do something. That's, that's what I get, that's the picture I get in my mind of what this means, right? Some of y'all remember it that way, just do something. The next one he lists is jealousy, which is pretty self-explanatory. Outbursts of anger, which is wrath or rage, it's also translated as indignation, which is anger or annoyance provoked by what is perceived as unfair treatment. The next one is selfish ambition, acting for one's own gain, placing self-interest ahead of what is good for others, the seeking of followers, right? We're seeking to just have people, I just want people to follow me, that's selfish ambition. Dissension, wrongly separated people into pointless factions. This can also be translated as division, which is the next one. And if you study it, it's a self-chosen opinion, a religious or philosophical sect, discord or contention, and to me, I'm just throwing this out there, there is nothing wrong with, I don't, I don't think that anybody is, don't read into this any more than what, what I'm saying right here. But to me, this sounds a little bit like denominations. That we have an opinion, so we form a denomination around our opinion. And we have a different opinion. And so we form our denomination around this opinion. And we have a different opinion. And here's all I'm saying, and then I'm going to get off of this because y'all are looking at me sideways. Here's all I'm saying, all right? And we're a non-denominational church, which is almost becoming its own denomination, but <laughs> I said it, all right? <laughs> I said it. But here's what I know, okay? When you get to heaven, there won't be any denominations. There's going to be people who were covered by the blood of Jesus. And had surrendered their life to him. And that's what matters. And we just want to know what does God's word say. And that's what we're going to teach. And that's what we're going to preach. And that's what we're going to be about. What is it that God's word says. All right. The next one is envy. Which is strong feeling that sours due to the influence of sin. Living in sin will influence you to do things that you will probably regret later. Uh, This could also mean the feeling of ill will. Uh, the next one is drunkenness, and I found this one interesting because we did a series back in October that, uh, that was interesting where we went through Ephesians, and we were talking about drinking and wine and things like that, and we're not going to get into that. You can go back and find that uh, on the podcast back in October. But when I, when I was studying this, you know what, you know, if you get the, the deeper meaning of this, you know what it means? Deep drinking. You know what deep drinking is? Deep drinking is when I'm doing this to fill something inside it. I'm doing this to numb something that I don't like. I'm doing this in place of going to my heavenly father. This is the thing that I have begun to turn to. That is deep 
drinking. That is what is being talked about here, that your sinful nature, it wants to lead you away from God so that when you start to struggle or you start to have problems or you start to feel you know, anxious about something or fearful about something, that you'll begin to turn always to this thing over here and I've just got to have a little more to drink and boy, I just need a drink and oh, I just need a glass of wine and oh, I just need to go out with the guys and oh, I just need to do this because you're trying to feel something inside of you that only God can feel. We'll get off of that one. Um, Jesus used this same word when he was talking in Luke 21 to tell us to watch out because this kind of living, um, it causes our hearts to be dulled or to be heavy or to be weighed down. When you start to live this way, Jesus taught when he used the same word, he said, you know what this type of living does? It actually doesn't fix your problem. It actually causes your heart to be dulled. It actually causes you to, to feel heavy. It actually causes your heart to be weighed down. And that's why it's more important for you to turn to the Lord than to other things whenever you're in a struggle. The last one he mentions is wild parties, which is, uh, the definition of it is a drunken feast which hosted unbridled sexual immorality. And here's one thing that I noticed as I was reading through this. Every single one of these things that are acts of our sinful nature Every single one of them goes against what Jesus said was the most important commandment. Every one of them. Jesus would tell us in Matthew 22, he says, somebody asked him, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And there is not a single thing in our sinful nature that loves God and loves people well. None of it. Like God said, here's what you need to do. You need, you, Jesus said, you need to love God with, with everything and love people. Let, it, let your faith be expressed through love for other people. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And nothing in our sinful nature is, has anything to do with loving God well or loving people well. And when I'm controlled but when my sinful nature is in control, I'm not doing any of those things that Jesus has told me to do. But Paul then lists the attributes of a person who's being led by the Holy Spirit. And listen, listen to me. You have access to every single one of these. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And this is what he wants to produce in your life. You just have to give him access and permission. You just got to wake up tomorrow and say, I want you to produce this in my life. I don't want to live according to my sinful nature. I know that they're at war with each other, the spirit, and my sinful nature is at war with each other. And there's, you know, it's, I've got to choose which one is going to win. And so today I choose that the Holy Spirit living within me is going to win. And this is what we see from the Holy Spirit. It's love, which is actually the word agape, which is the kind of love that God has for us. Joy, which is gladness and delight. Peace, I like this one. You know what peace actually means if you study it? It's wholeness and rest not you trying to get some rest so all those verses where jesus says don't don't do this but do this and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will will guard your heart and mind he's talking about wholeness talking about like rest that can only be found in him patience which is long suffering come on somebody um, one thing I find interesting about this is this is a picture of, uh, patience is a picture of celebrating progress and continuing to hope. It's celebrating, it, it's kind of like, like I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. So I'm making progress, 
It's that person in your life that, that, that you wish they would, you know, speed it up a little bit. And you're being patient, kind of like how God is with us. Like he's patient, long-suffering. You know, we celebrate progress in others and we continue to hope. Kindness, which is meeting real needs in God's way and timing. It, it, it can also be translated as usable or well-fit for use. Goodness, which is inherently good or good in nature. Faithfulness, which is trust, confidence, and fidelity. Um, I, I was listening to some of this last week, and they were making the point, which is so good because it's something we struggle with, that, that our, we're not called by God to be successful. We're called to be faithful. And so wherever God has us, I, like my, my responsibility is to be faithful. In my relationships, be faithful. In my job, be faithful. Like in the God's calling for my life, my responsibility is to be faithful, not to be successful, but to be faithful. Uh, the next one is gentleness. This can also be translated as meekness, which means gentle strength. Strength under control. We think of meekness a lot of times, and we're like, well, that's just like a, a meek person, like a mousy person that just lets everybody run all over them. That's not what it's talking about. It's that you have the strength of God inside of you, and it's that strength that's under control. That's meekness. And then the last one is self-control, which is self-mastery, self-restraint. And I like this. It means dominion within dominion within self-control like i am self-mastery self-restraint and there it's dominion in other words the holy spirit has dominion within me and he's giving me self-control i have the ability to say no because the spirit of god is all powerful and he lives inside of me i have self-control i have the ability to say no there is dominion within me and the first list which comes from our sinful nature a lot of times are things that we try to do to feel better or to get what we want or to control our own lives. And Jesus says that that kind of person really is, if you're living that way, that person should not expect to inherit the kingdom of God. And really, if you, if you dig into it a little bit more, this lifestyle is proof that Jesus is really not ruling in that person's heart. When you're just constantly being led by your sinful nature. But the second list, the second list Listen, you have access to the entire second list. And the Holy Spirit is producing it in you even right now. If you would just say, I, I'm yielding and I'm submitting to what God wants to do, you have access to all of these things and the Holy Spirit wants to produce them in you. And I think that the next verse, which is our, our last three verses, we're going to read them together, but the next verse kind of gives us the solution to uh, really having this amazing fruit in our lives. And so this is how we finish up. Chapter 5, verses 24 through 26, he says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And I've asked this question before in this series. I think it was in week two. Uh, but I want to ask you again, have you nailed your sinful passions and desires to the cross? When you surrender your life to Jesus, can you say like Paul said in chapter 2 that I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And I think that some of us continue to follow our sinful nature because, listen, because we have added Jesus to and not made him Lord of our life. So we have added Jesus to our life, but he is not Lord of our life 
And when he becomes Lord, when we give him the place in our life where he is Lord, he is in control, he has the final say, and we want the fruit that the Holy Spirit is going to produce in our lives, I think that we'll begin to see some difference. I think we'll begin to see some change. I think that we'll be able to see our faith being expressed in love. As Paul was talking about, I want to bring the worship team back up and, and end in this way. Because in verse 25, Paul says that since it's by the Spirit that we're even alive, right? He says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Since it is only by the Spirit that we're even alive, we need to make the decision to follow that same Spirit's leading. And so this is how I pictured this in my mind. Uh, what does it look like to follow the Holy Spirit's leading? So it's the Holy Spirit is giving you, giving you life. And so we need to follow after him. And let's just imagine that like every one of these music stands and this podium and all of these things, they're all distractions. Would anybody say that we live in a distracted world? Like there's distraction. You wake up and you're distracted. You, you know, like every app on your phone is a distraction. And, and people in your life sometimes are a distraction. And, and so it's almost this picture of how we tend to live, like according to the sinful nature, is we see this distraction, and so we kind of lean into this, and we're like, well, maybe, like, maybe I need to try this. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe this is how I need to live. And, and then we kind of move on, and we see this distraction, and we continually go back and forth between distractions because we're trying to feel something inside of us that only God can feel, and we're not being led by the Holy Spirit, and so we're living according to our sinful nature. But whenever I'm following the Holy Spirit, here's what I'm doing. The Holy Spirit is in front of me, and I'm following, I'm keeping in step, as some translations would say, with the Spirit. I'm following the Holy Spirit, and even though there's a distraction over here, and even though there's a distraction over there, I'm more focused on, I'm not so focused on, listen, I'm not so focused on what their marriage looks like. I'm following the Holy Spirit for what my marriage is supposed to look like. I'm not so focused on what they're trying to do to cope with what they're going through, but I know that this is what God has called me to, and I need to keep following the Holy Spirit, and I don't need to be distracted by all of this other stuff. I'm not going to be led by my sinful nature. I'm not going to pay attention to all these things i'm going to continue to follow the holy spirit's leading in my life so you're going to distractions aren't going to go away but you can choose to follow the holy spirit's leading in the midst of everything that is distracting in the midst of everything that is pulling and and vying for your attention for you to lean into this a little bit more will you stand to your feet today i want to pray for you and we're going to sing this song and worship one final time before we leave. But here's, here's what I want to ask you to do. One pastor, he, he does this. I listen to him pretty regularly, and he does this almost every single weekend. But he says, ask ourselves this question. I felt like this was so appropriate for today. Because I think that the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to speak to you individually. And there might, be, there might be somebody here that the Holy Spirit's going to speak like, hey, you know that thing that you've kept in your life? It's really, it's, it's distracting you from continuing to follow. And it's not that that thing is bad, but it might be something that you need to remove so that you aren't distracted by it, so that you can continue to follow what the Holy Spirit's leading you into. It might be that you just need to just, just cut this thing off over here, even though it's not a bad thing. I'm not necessarily talking about bad things. I think there are some bad things in that whole list we were talking about. Like, none of that's good. But there might be even some things in your life that the Holy Spirit would say, hey, you're just, like, you've just become distracted and you're not following my leading and so this is leading you to like dabble in this or fall into this and then you come back and then you, and then you like fall over here and then you come back and, and he's like, you don't, you don't have to live that way. You can follow me every single day and we can continue to move forward and progress. And so the question that I want you to ask yourself today is what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? through this message. 
what, it, what is the thing? What is the one thing? What is the thing that he's saying to me like, hey, you need to remove this or hey, keep your eyes on me or hey, I know you're going through that, but I'm in that with you. And so keep focused on me and keep following me because if you follow me, we're going through it together. We're going through it together and you don't have to die here and you don't have to, you don't have to fall off and you don't have to live distracted. You don't have to live according to your sinful nature and just doing whatever it is that you want to do. No, you can actually have life that Jesus mentioned Right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I came to give people life. And not just life, but life in abundance. And I think that that life only comes whenever we're following the Holy Spirit's leading. We can't live according to our sinful nature. We've got to live according to the Spirit. Amen? So, Lord, today, I'll invite our prayer team to come down. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just making it so clear. I thank you that you're speaking to every person in this room individually, even right now. God, we, we believe that you're doing something significant in our lives. And Lord, we want, it is our desire that the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces, that it would be produced in our lives and that it would begin to flow out of our lives and that we would not live according to our sinful nature that's at war with the Spirit, but Lord, that we would live following your Holy Spirit every single day, that we would be truly followers of Jesus that we would follow you and so Holy Spirit I pray that you would speak to every person today and as we pray every single week that you'd give us wisdom wisdom to know what to do give us courage to do it and Lord as we sing this song if there's anybody here who needs prayer for anything in their life I pray that you would draw every person today for prayer in Jesus name Amen